1: Hey friends, this is Chapman Gary Rayburn of Lonesome Road Ministry, and I've got my partner with me. Hi, my name is Fred Mooney, and
2: I'm excited and honored to be here in the cab with Gary Rayburn. And we are
1: going to have Church on the Road for you today, folks. So sit back, listen, and enjoy our program. And if you'd like to get more copies, just give us a call at 618-383-2107. Or log on to LonesomeRoad.org.
0: Stacks. My address is 408-414 Big Blue Mac Now it don't matter where I'm going
1: friends, this is and Gary Rayburn and I got my partner with me.
2: Hi, my name is Fred Mooney, and I am glad to be here.
1: Hey, Fred, we got a great program today and uh, we got Chaplain Richie Turnbow. He preaches on our conference line on Thursday nights and we got a message by him. The Valley of Decisions. There you go. Yes, the Valley of Decisions. And boy, I'll tell you, It's a really good message by Richie. He does an excellent job on our conference line. And we want to invite everybody to join us on our conference line on Thursday nights. Give them that number, Gary. Yeah, the phone number is 727-731-5062. And there's no access code needed. So just dial that number on Thursday nights at 5 o'clock Central Time. Usually quite a few people are on there a little bit before, so... Call in a little bit before 5 central time and join us on our conference line on Thursday nights. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Hey, Fred, I got an email from a a guy the other day. His name's Chaz Graham, and he sent me a song that he wrote. He said it was the first country gospel song that he got to record in a studio, and I listened to that, and boy, I just fell in love with it.
2: I listened to it, and if that's his first song, there is great things in that young man's future. Amen,
1: amen. It is a great song, and we're going to put that on for you right now. Here's Chaz Graham with What I Don't Have. People talk about what
3: they have. Some have this, and some have that, and some brag about having. Everything they'll ever need Yeah, but I don't have to worry About food on my plate I don't have strife And I don't have hate So thank you, Lord For what I don't have I don't have A shiny limousine. I don't have a chef cooking me fine cuisine. I don't have a butler. I don't have a maid. Yeah, but I don't have a wife I have to worry about. I don't have to scream and I don't have to shout. So thank you, Lord, for- used to wake up Saturday morning feeling blue thinking to myself man what did you do so that's why Lord I sing this song thanking you for putting me where I belong and thank you Lord
1: Chaz Graham. What a great song that is. What I don't have. (laughs) Yes, it is a great song and that's what we have to do. We have to thank the Lord for what we don't have and thank the Lord for what we do have and thank the Lord for what he is going to do in our lives if we surrender our lives over to him. Very important. And I've got another song I want to play and this is by a guy I got to meet down in Columbus, Mississippi. You know, God has blessed me so much. Ever since I've been doing this ministry, God has sent me all over the country, and I've got to meet so many great, great people like, well, like Dennis McKay down in Columbus, Mississippi. Dennis McKay is an excellent producer, and I love to hear the recordings that he's produced. Yeah, we got to we got to do uh, four uh, music CDs of Lonesome Road volume 1 2 3 and 4. And wow, what a what a honor and privilege it was to work with Dennis and uh, got to meet some great people down there at Columbus, Mississippi. Uh, one of them was Kenny Gardner, a friend of his, and uh, he's a preacher, he's a singer, he also records on Dennis's label, Mac Records. And he's got a CD out. There's a song on there called I Turn to You. And that's so important that we turn to Jesus in our time. Yes, sir. So let's let's listen to this song by Kenny Gardner, I Turn to You.
4: Nowhere to be found
1: That's a great song by Kenny Gardner, but my favorite song on this CD of Kenny Gardner's is Water Into Wine.
2: Water Into Wine. You know, that was Jesus' first miracle. Yes, I've, I've read about it in a book. In the book of John. <laughs> that's in the Bible. Yes, sir. And you know, the Bible is not a book about God. It is God's Word.
1: Yeah, this is a, a great song by Kenny, and it's called Water Into Wine, And you can read about it in the The book of John. And that miracle
2: actually occurs in the second chapter of the book of John.
1: Okay. Well, you are the Sunday school teacher, so you should know that. (laughs) Well,
2: that's next week's lesson.
1: (laughs) Okay. By the time we get this out, it'll be next week. (laughs) Oh, praise the Lord. All right. Here's Kenny Gardner's Water into Wine.
4: multitude of prayers on my behalf, and I pray one more is not too much to ask. Lord, I've tried to fight this battle by myself, but it's a war that I can't win without your help.
1: All right, Fred, we better get into the message by Richie Turnbow. He preached this on our conference line on Thursday night.
2: I really enjoyed this message, and I especially enjoyed uh, all the statistics and things that he included in it.
1: Richie puts a lot of work into his sermons. Yes, he does. Yeah, he does a great job. So here's that uh, conference line call that we had Thursday night. The Valley of Decision. Father God, I just thank you for this night. Lord, I thank you for uh, the testimonies that we've heard. And Lord, help us to always be ready to share a testimony with those that are lost and those that are hurting. And Father, I just ask that you lift up Richie Turnbow tonight, hiding behind the cross, and, and let him deliver the message that you've given him for the chaplains out there on the road. And Father, just bless him. And bless all those that are listening tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
5: All right, Richie, it's all yours, brother. Amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you, everyone that's out there. Uh, Listen, guys, I want to go ahead and say a belated Merry Christmas to you and your family and your loved ones as we celebrate this special season of the birth of our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. And what a special time this is. And, uh, And it... It reminds me of the shortfalls of man. The young man, for instance, will dream dreams of next year, and of marriage and promotions on the job. Maybe you see the middle-aged man will dream of retirement, and the aged man will dream of yesteryear. And chaplains, how sad if all of our dreams are of life on this earth uh, of fleeting days and nights and passing joys. You see, the Christian who has gazed upon the earth and found an emptiness or a void in their heart has a different dream. We look up, and in our promise is the, is a loud trumpet blast. And with the saints of all time, we will cry, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Guys, I want to say that um, that message that... Uh, Pastor Cliff give was remarkable. Each message that you guys give is an inspiration, and I try my very best. If I cannot be on the line, I'll try to listen to the recording. And, Brother Cliff, the recording that you made about the wise men, what an incredible teaching that was, incredible teaching. I I encourage you, if you have not heard it yet, to go back to the recording line and and listen to this message over and over. The recording line reference number will be three nine three nineteen three one nine. is that reference number. You need to hear this about the wise men and the teachings in detail that he gives. What a fantastic message, sir. And I always enjoy to hear your teaching and your preaching. It inspires me. And I hope someday that God gives me the wisdom that he has given you, sir. I will not be late... Uh, Lengthy tonight, after what Gary had just said. I will not be lengthy, but the Lord has given me a message. And I have titled this, Multitudes, Multitudes in the Valley of Decision. Now, chaplains, we, we know that God is truly on the throne. Without that knowledge, this world would be a very difficult thing to face, would it not? As we look at world events and events within our own borders, We realize that there is an intrusion of evil. I have the opportunity to watch a little television from time to time, not much. And the shows that attract my attention are not new ones. They are old television programs. They are a reflection of the ways that the world was when I was growing up. When you was growing up, Pastor Cliff, it was a more peaceful planet then. It was kinder. It wasn't as evil as it is today. There was mischief. There was, there was some bad in the world, of course, but there wasn't so much evil. And that's just been in the course of my lifetime, some 55 years. Now, chaplains, we are living in a very difficult environment. And it surprises me that our churches are not packed just out of fear from what's going on. Because the hope that we have is the only hope there is. And I'm glad to say tonight that we have got a grip on that blessed hope, awaiting the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now I want you to go with me tonight in Joel chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. There is a great message in these two verses that I would desire to focus on tonight. Read with me in Joel chapter 3, verse 13. Put ye in the sickle, this is an angel speaking to the Lord, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full. The fats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. So, chaplains, we see that Joel, God's prophet, is pulling back the veil of time and showing us that the wickedness will be great and the day of the Lord is near. And the King of kings and the Lord of lords is coming back to establish his kingdom, not as the lamb who was led to the slaughter, but as the roaring lion from the tribe of Judah. So in other words, no one will mock him. No one will spit on him. No one will pull his beard or nail him to a tree. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And he makes an analogy of a vineyard full of grapes ripe for the harvest. These grapes represent wicked nations who will be cut down by the sickle and trampled in the winepress of God's judgment. Now, verse 14 is the verse that I want to focus on tonight, and it is the timely, it is a timely verse. It says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Now, chaplains, from God's perspective, he is approaching the day of decision to thrust in the sickle and judge the wickedness of man. But from the perspective of men, there are multitudes gathered in this valley of decision. And they are facing decisions that have eternal consequences. So with the latter phrase in mind, I have shaped and formed this message. Let me repeat tonight. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Now for this verse to pose any intimate threat to the eternal soul of man, It must be established that the word of God is accurate and true, and that the day of the Lord is near. Guys, listen. While searching the scriptures, I have found that the Bible has never erred or never has been incorrect. It is the infallible, inerrant, holy word of God, and all of its prophecies and predictions do come to pass. Its words are accurate and significant, And I know that this Word of God will stand when everything else has passed away. I know that through studying the Scriptures, there is an event called the Day of the Lord, also referred to the Second Coming of the Lord. It is at this time that Jesus will return to earth with ten thousands and thousands and thousands of his saints to make war with the Antichrist to defeat the enemies of righteousness and initiate what we have referred to as his millennial reign or the thousand-year reign of the Prince of Peace. But one of the most effective lies that Satan and, and, and the one he uses against man is that there is plenty of time to make decisions to follow Christ. One of the snares that young people fall into about the time that they're graduating from high school and going to their college years is that they have plenty of time that there is nothing going to happen to them that would cause them to miss an opportunity to live for God. That God is gracious, that he is merciful, that he's not going to allow anything to happen to them. You know, when you are that young, chaplains, you feel like you're invincible. So you never think about any harm or danger coming to you. And that's one of the greatest lies of Satan. And not only against teenagers and young people, but he uses it when people are newlyweds. And he continues to use that lie until their life has been wasted living to themselves. And now they're at some age looking backward, examining their past and Seeing now in the present, they have made some pretty poor decisions along the way. The truth that Satan fails to reveal is that there are all kinds of days and events that God uses to judge the wickedness of men's hearts and determine their eternal destination. There are days of sickness. There are days of disease that leads to death. Accidents that prematurely rob people of their lives. Excessive evil that produces murders, lust, and greed that manifests wars. Claiming the lives of millions of people that thought that they would live to a ripe old age. Did you know that death claims 151,600 people every 24 hours? Do you remember the scriptures in Hebrews chapter 9? It says, and it is appointed unto men once to die. But after this, the judgment And these are all natural events that I have mentioned that take place. But let me mention some supernatural events that are prophesied in scriptures. One is the rapture of the church or the catching away of the bride of Christ. In Matthew chapter 25, there is an analogy that the Lord used to describe five wise and five foolish virgins who awaited the appearing of the bridegroom. They met different destinies according to the preparedness or the lack of preparedness. There is a case of our Lord in Matthew 24. As Jesus said to watch the world's culture to be like that of Noah's day. In Noah's day, they had removed God from all of their knowledge, pretending that he did not exist, thumbing their nose at the face of God and kept on eating and drinking and marrying and giving into marriage, giving no thought to righteousness or godliness. And that's when Jesus said he would return. And don't forget the words he spoke to his disciples in John chapter 14. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither go ye know, and the way. You see, there's an, another event that is coming, and I believe it is very soon, chaplains. The Old Testament prophets, as well as the New Testament, speaks of a great tribulation in which the full power of Satan will be loosed upon the earth for seven years. This will be a time of trouble like no other before, according to the unerring scriptures. Captains, if you believe we are living in what is referred to as the last days, and you are a child of God, then you are a part of that multitude in the valley of decision, fighting on the winning side of Christ our Lord. And in that valley of decision, I'm going to tell you tonight, there is not a new place. It is not a new place. A place where folks have never traveled. David faced Goliath in the Valley of Decision. Elijah stood before Israel in the presence of 450 prophets of Baal and challenged the people, saying, Choose you this day whom you will serve. If God, let it be God. If Baal be God, let you serve him. Joshua likewise gathered the children of Israel together and reminded them of the strong hand of God that led them from victory to victory, that defeated their enemies, And he said, Choose you this day whom you will serve. But he also said, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, there are multitudes today who are gathered in the valley of decision. And let me just name a few tonight. One multitude tonight is the multitude of lost souls. You see, the sobering fact is this, even with all of our missionary activities, It is estimated that 27% of the world's population has not heard of the good news of Jesus Christ presented in a way that they can appreciate and respond to. That translates to approximately 1.75 billion individuals without any knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus. 86% of all Hindus and Muslims and Buddhists do not know a Christian, and likely one in four at minimum who know nothing about Jesus Christ. The recently released Future of Global Church in the Evangelized section, released on page 161, states that there may be at least 2 billion who may have never heard of the gospel of Jesus. The multitude of lost souls who are in the valley of decision. The lost without Jesus who need the saving knowledge of his precious blood. Who desperately need the love and grace that Jeremiah the prophet spoke about in Lamentations chapter 3. He wrote, "...it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord." chaplains, another one of those multitudes, is the ones who have given up on the church. In 2007, there were 227 million adults in the United States, and little more than 48% of them identified themselves as Christians. Between 2018 and 2020, the overall size of the U.S. adult population grew to about 18 million people, nearly to almost 300 million total adults. Now, listen. But the size who identified them, Christians, fell to under 44%, or approximately 177 million Americans. Chaplains, that is a net decline per year of about 5 million. We are losing people. Then there is the multitude of the religious. Notice I said religious instead of relationship. According to the Hartford Institute of Religion, more than 40% of Americans say that they go to church Regularly, as it turns out, however, at least 20% are actually in church. In other words, 80% of Americans are finding other things to do on the weekends. They are not in the house of God, but they have their excuses. They don't like the pastor. They don't like the music. They don't like the programs of the church. They can't get along with the schedule of the church. They have ball games to take their children to. There is always some problem that takes them out of the church. Then there's all these uh, things of other issues competing for their time. So many other things that reach out and grab the hearts and lives of people that keep them from the house of God, things of men that breaks the heart of God that God spoke of to the prophet Isaiah. The Lord said, For as much as his people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips they do honor me, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear towards me is taught by the precept of men. But chaplains, ladies and gentlemen, I want to mention one more group that is in that multitude tonight, and that is the multitude of seekers, the multitude of seekers, people just like you and I, people who come together week after week and month after month and year after year who have dedicated themselves to making good decisions to live godly lives, to enjoy the mercies and grace of God as they grow in faith and the understanding of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You see, there's a segment of the church that is defying the odds. Just a decade ago, there was just 26% who claimed to be charismatic, full-gospel Christians. In other words, that's about 3 out of 10. Today, there's 46% who claim to be full-gospel, charismatic Christians. Now, that corresponds to about 80 million adults. Now, for the survey that Barna Group did, this included people who say that they were charismatic because they had uh, been filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and they have, and they believe in healing, and they believe in the gifts of the Spirit are still valid today. You see, charismatic Christians are found throughout the fabric of American Christianity, although just 8% of the population is evangelical. Half of the evangelical, evangelical, I'll get it out in a second, adults. Roughly 49% fit that charismatic definition. So a slight majority of all born-again Christians, that's 51%, claim to be charismatic. And to be honest with you, I love the Baptocostals. I love those guys. I know quite a few of them. I love those guys. And nearly half of all adults who attend a Protestant church, 46% are charismatic. Now listen, every other church is declining in America. Only the full gospel churches, in other words, the Pentecostal-style realms, are on the increase. Now, that begs the question, why is that? Any fundamental church is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're preaching salvation. But in most cases, that is far as the altar will take them. And I believe there is a multitude in the Valley of Decision tonight that is looking for the real thing. Not just an altar of repentance only not just an altar of salvation only, and not just the joy of being free from sin only, and to free to, to live their lives for God, but they also realize that there's power in the blood of Jesus, there's power in the Christian walk, and there's power in the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous. There's power, wonder-working, power in the blood of Christ. That's power that will cause you to do the undoable. And power to break the bondages of Satan. And power to reach the unreachable. And power to reach out by faith and to take those things of God that have been prepared for those who love Him. You see, these are power-filled Christians who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. They are looking and searching for the power of God. And they're embracing the words of Jesus. What he said is, when these signs shall follow that belief, they shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. You see, we remember the words of Jesus when he said, Verily I say unto you, that he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go into my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. And I also love what John said. He said, Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You see, chaplains, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. If God be for us, who can be against us? The weapon formed against us shall prosper. We can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthened us. There is a multitude in the Valley of Decision that is choosing revival. They are choosing Jesus over judgment. These are power-filled Christians, and they want to do the works of God. They want to experience the miracle-working power of God, and they want to walk in faith and power. Are you with me? These are the same ones that want to be the part of the church that Jesus talked about when he said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In the New Testament, Paul prophesied about these last days, times that we're in. When he said to his Timothy, his son in the faith, he said this, Know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, and proud, and blasphemers disobedient to parents and unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truth-breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And Paul's instruction for Timothy was this, from such, turn away. And how true is that today, That is the word for tonight, chaplains. Turn away. There is a multitude in the valley of decision that's turning away from anything that is powerless and void of God, where the Spirit of God is not permitted to move freely. Now listen, I'm glad for people today that are filling up our churches and filling up the, the gospel churches and the Baptist churches and all the other denominations. These are folks who are interested in being all that they can be in God and walking in faith and pursuing the riches of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul continues to write to Timothy, and he says this, "...but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast been known to know the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus." All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is proper for doctrine. Notice he said doctrine and not doctrines plural. There's only one doctrine, and that is through the doctrine of Jesus Christ and the foundation that was laid through his blood on the cross of Calvary. He goes on to say it is for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished into all good works. So how many of you tonight can say thank God for the holy word of God? We know that it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We cannot make a decision that is good in the valley of decision without the help and the aid of God in His holy word. You see, there's one segment of the multitude that is standing in the valley of decision that is making their decision wisely because of His book, the glorious book. Listen. The Bible is not a book about God. The Bible is the Word of God. The glorious book that we call the Word of God. The eternal guideline. And let me tell you guys tonight about this Word of God called the Bible. This book contains the mind of God. It is the way of salvation and the doom of sinners. It is the happiness of believers and its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true, its decisions are immutable, and we read it to be wise. We practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, comfort to cheer you. The Bible is the traveler's map. It is the pilgrim's staff. It is the pilot's compass. It is the soldier's sword. It is the Christian's charter. In its pages, paradise is restored. In the gates of heaven are opened, and the gates of hell are disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, and our good is its design. And the glory of God is its end, and it will be remembered forever, opened at the judgment, and it will convict everyone that trifles with its contents. May I tell you tonight, this book has the power to change lives. It has the power to pick drunkards up out of the gutter. It has the power to mend broken marriages. It has the power to change infidels into saints. And it has the power to come from an altar of dead works to the Son of the living God. I'll try to wrap it up i got to be short tonight. You see, guys, there is a multitude in the Valley of Decision with the Word of God in one hand, and in the other, the hand of prayer lifted to God, a hand of surrender, saying, God, I'm going to make a good decision. I'm going to follow you through this Valley of Decision. I'm going to go with you all the way. Now, guys, I believe that is, that is where these ministries are going this upcoming year. And the next year and the year after that, Lord willing, with all that God is doing and using in in these ministries, with a heart of believers from all of us, and and that we desire a decision to help people, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to, to the other parts of the multitudes standing in the valley of decision. Chaplains, if you can listen, listen to the voices of those in the multitude. The multitude in the valley of decision. You see, guys, you are out there in the mission field every day. Every time you move and go, you are in the mission field. And everywhere you go, you have people, multitudes around you. And these multitudes are in the valley of decision. Help them make the right decision. Show them the door. Show them the way, the truth, and the life. Father, I thank you for this time. Father, I thank you for the word that you have given me and placed in my heart. And, Father, with this new coming year, I pray, Lord God, that you continue to bless these ministries and to reach and expound the limitations, Lord God, that we never knew possible. Father, we trust and believe in you. We know that all resources and all avenues can be opened by you. Father, I'm asking for lost souls this coming year. Father, I'm asking that each person of the sound of my voice, that, Lord God, they reach to further strength and, and, and to take the further step and the next step, Lord God, to see that someone in their life, someone around them comes to know you as their Lord and their Savior. Father, I pray if there's anyone out there that can hear the sound of my voice, if there's anyone out there that has never confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that has never asked Jesus to save them, to repent from their sins, Father, I pray that, Lord God, your Holy Spirit convict them. I pray that your Spirit convict them, Lord God, that they can open their hearts, their minds, and their mouth and confess that, Lord God, that we are all sinners. And only salvation comes through your grace and faith in you and your work on the cross. Father, we honor you. We give you all blessings. And, Father, I pray that you got the ultimate blessing on your reading of your word tonight. And I pray this in Jesus' name. A
6: amen may grace How sweet the that sound that sweet
1: bread. Everybody out there on the road needs to know how can they make it to heaven. There's too many people out there that aren't sure if they're going to make it into heaven. And the Bible says that we can be sure. Brother Garrett says that we can know, and I believe in a know-so salvation. 1 John chapter 5 verse 13. If you want to look it up, this is King James Version. 1 John chapter 5 verse 13 says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. We don't have to hope. We don't have to wonder. We can know that we're going to heaven. And it's as simple as what, Fred? ABC. ABC. And all we have to do is what? I meant that you're a sinner.
2: For in Romans 3.23 it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And B stands for believe upon Jesus Christ. For it says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And last but not least, confess Romans 10 and 9 it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and shall believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved and verse 10 says for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation and verse 13 says for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved ABC. Call upon the name of Jesus Christ
1: and ask him to save you. Amen. For the scripture says, whosoever. I love that word. Whosoever. And that's you. You are a whosoever. It doesn't matter what you call yourself, a Catholic, Methodist, Baptist, you're a whosoever. And if you will cry out to Jesus with all your heart, It says, the scripture says, whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. The same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, black, red, white, yellow, doesn't matter who you're a whosoever for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it's that simple. Cry out to God and call out to him. And it's, it's not the words that save you. It's the condition of your heart. And if you will ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart right now with a simple prayer, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I surrender my life to you. I will live for you from this day forward in Jesus name. Amen. And that's how you become a Christian. But once you surrender your heart and life to Jesus, you have turned from your sins and you have repented of your sins and you are saved. Amen. Amen. And now I want to put on a song. was the McKay Project's very first number one song. And it's a song called Taking Me Home that uh, I got to help write at a Truck driver by the name of Sam Story dropped by my office one day and he came in and we started talking about songwriting. He said, let's write a song together. So we sat down in my office and wrote this song and then we took it to Bill Shell and had a demo made of it. And then when we came out with Lonesome Road Volume 1, I told Dennis that I wanted this song to be on there and I wanted him to sing it. Here's taking me home.
0: Wheels are humming like a sad old song Windshield wipers singing along Take me home, back where I belong Kinda lonely in this cab alone Just me and Jesus down a lonesome road Music playing on the radio, Merle High singing me back home Take me home Back where I belong It's taking me home Back where I belong It seems like years Since I've been gone T. From losing my mind, Lord, beside me, He's leading the way. Pray, and I'll be home today. Take me home, back where I belong. He's taking me home. Taking me home, Back where I along.
1: Well, we, we sure appreciate these drivers letting us ride along with them in the cab and we just love being a part of their life and we can't wait till next week when we get to ride along with you in the cab
0: at the crossroads of life lost without hope 18 wheels of lonesome at the end of the road In my hand was a track the preacher had read His words still echoing in the back of my head I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past Then I called his name, this chance would it be my last Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart from down on my knees The day I met Jesus at the foot of the cross Brokenhearted and lonesome, so long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery. the
2: tree.